Cradleine Network. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. Some call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Borak Doggers. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox. The 227th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Podcast for two America, yeah, we're trying to make sense of UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for August and September 1990, prog 692 to 695. This time, we'll say goodbye to Medivac 318, at least one Harlem hero, hero and several villains in Judge Dread and Slain, and we'll say hello to both Chaos Carnival and to Dry Run's little friend. Oh, all right then. It's a Scarface reference, buddy. <laughs> all right, <laughs> FYI. I get it. If you were to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread the Complete Case Files 14, Slain the Horn God, and the Judge Dread Magazine 358, I think. Maybe 359. It's hard to tell where we are. I'm not keeping very good track in where we are in Harlem Heroes, but one of them. Numbers, numbers are dumb. They never one of them, no one nothing. One of them Megs in the late 50s or early 60s. That's where you'll find yourself. Anyway. Important episode here, Fox. Oh my gosh. Be, do you know? Because, just so you know, okay. this episode's coming out the first week of October. So it is the episode where we are celebrating our fourth anniversary of podcasting. Such a spooky episode. Please don't tell me that spooky amount again. That was very spooky. That's right. Four years, buddy. Think about it. Four more years. I mean, at least, you know. I mean, if we if it took us four years to get thirteen four years of our time to get thirteen years of two thousand AD time, then to get the remaining twenty seven more years plus however long it takes us, like you know, it's gonna it's a math problem. Anyway, Zeno's paradox in action is what I always call Space Fitter two thousand. And with that, let's get to some more paradoxical action with uh, through one Judge Dread. Uh, Judy Dread, old Judge Judy Dread. Are you there, God? It's me, Judge Dread. <laughs> mm. It's me, Joe. <laughs> Script robot John Wagner, art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Tom Frame and Gordon Kid Robson. We start with Necropolis Part Nineteen. Dude, we found out what we already knew this episode. I mean, a lot of recovering things just to get everybody on the same page coming up here. Oh, I just um, mean that that little lady is is probably a, a sigh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, a bunch of judge cadets, including Cadet Giant, have found the injured body of Psy Judge Cassandra Anderson and tend to her as some undercity trockies look on. Uh, they give her some water, but Cadet a- Eckerson, who appears to be psychic, like you said, has been communicating with Anderson, says the judge can't talk or move, but does seem to have a way to deal with the sisters of, uh, with the sisters of death. And so we got to deal out. with, yeah, we got to deal with her situation here, buddy. Looks like, uh, there's a, you know, a diagnosis shrapnel. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do some quick examination, find a big old piece of shrapnel sticking out of her back. They got to remove it here. Yeah, there's no time to lose. The cadets act fast, setting up a quick field surgery, and soon the shrapnel is removed. Anderson's still in trouble, but in a far better situation. As the kids set up a more permanent camp, Judge Anderson dreams being driven mad to become a third sister of death deliria oh, and we got some real great right. ins- yeah we got some real great insanity art by carlos Iscari here i i love this like a, a, like this kind of thought that she might turn but it doesn't seem to to stick i feel like that might come back to haunt us well de- yeah i mean oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely see pieces of this as time goes by. Maybe not in this in Necropolis, but in sort of the dread, the world of uh, like the dead world canon. The stuff about the system. Uh, uh, Fox uh, confirmed for premonition. Yeah, that's right. Damn. I got I got that precog. Damn, buddy, very superstitious. Put the me writing's in on milk the wall. Soup and put me in a Tom Cruise movie already. <laughs> Deep cuts by, Listen. by Mr. Fox. This guy loves that one where they go to Tijuana to get their car reupholstered. I forget what it's called. Oh, it's a oh Tom my Cruise God. movie. What, what uh, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the anyway, um, eventually Anderson wakes up and finds Dead Man Dread and Magruder there with the cadets. They heard her second call as well, and now Dread wants to know how to beat the sisters. I, I like how they kind of like as he's coming up, just like oh fuck, this looks like Judge Death. But no, nah, man, just dread. They looking know. Real, looking real weird, like an oak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. He does have kind of a kind of a nice wood grain to him at this point. You um, know, if he ever needed to retire, he could be an arborist. Definitely. Whoa. <laughs> so now uh, we, we, we cut to Dread, Magruder, and two of the cadets on the move. They've made it out of the Undercity and into Mega City 1 itself as Dread gets his first look at the terrifying gray-green landscape of Necropolis. He doesn't have long to dwell on it, though, as he's got a plan. From a pedway, Magruder uses a rope hook, hook to... Yeah, hooks a judge right off their bike as it, dri- as it drives underneath. Jaw. I mean, it's yeah. not like a it's not like a fun, like, get him off the... Fucking stage hook. It is a nope. big ass fishing hook right into the bottom of a man's jaw. Yeah, it killed this dude immediately kind of hook. Um, Dread commandeers the lawmaster, and like kind of it's funny because he kind of jumps onto the bike and is like, ooh, that's I mean, a hard did, drop. He did drop on it to a balls first, I'll be honest. And Magruder's like, ah, oh, getting a little old for this stuff, eh, Dread? Like, yeah. That's not, I mean, the man has testicles. I'm sorry. That's what I wouldn't do that, but he yeah. did. So they hide Fortuna's body, but take his badge and gun, and they're doing the old uh, pretend to have been taken prisoner bit here. And both Magruder and Dredd are shocked to find out that the whole force has gone over to the sisters, basically, the whole Justice I'm, Department. I'm real surprised they didn't do like a sweet Fortuna kind of joke here. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's sort of, there's definitely jokes to be made, I think, that are sort of are left on the table for the most part. Uh, Dread shocked by this change, but not surprised because he's felt the evil pull of the sisters before. Flashing back, we see Anderson telling her plan to Dread via psychic download, along well, with like just hand fil- psychic handhold. Come on, yeah. Well, you know, the, well, it's, I mean, they have to. It's cute. That's all. I'm just. They got to hold hands for her to transmit it or whatever. It also covers some re- more recent past. We see Anderson like when the big attack came. She yeah. instead of being blown up, she fell down a big pit into the undercity and stuff like that. 
Good thing. An H wagon arrives and Dread lightly cuffs the kid, the kids, and the chief. There's only yes. one yes, way do. to stop the Anderson to, to stop the other uh, sisters. Anderson says through tears, they must kill Kit Aggie for fears. Yep. The H-Wagon lands and the team is brought aboard. Dread claims to be Fortuna after the sisters punished him for something. Everyone's like, oh yeah, those sisters, huh? What are their toughies? Oh god, uh, they're just doing this chuckle buddy thing that I really love and then just fucking gun slap to the back of your face. That's oh, right. and team- then a throat kick. Yeah. The team goes into action. They take out the judges and then radio in all as well. And with silenced weapons, they executive decision their way through the ship. The cadets <laughs> killing everybody you. with silenced lawgivers. What? No, that was good. They're dieharding their way through a plane. Hey, listen, That's I executive decisioning. I work around the clock. Okay. These guys are like uh, they they aren't like uh, Steven Seagal in that one because he dies in the first ten minutes. There, they're Kurt oh, no, Russelling I'm... and John Leguizamoing their way through this plane. Am I forgetting? Am I am I mixing that one up with Harrison Ford was president of the United States? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that'd be Air Force wanting their way uh, through a plane. That's right. Well, they didn't do silencers on that one. You're right. I mean, you know, I I personally find executive decision to be a better touchstone, I guess, just because um, it's a worse movie, I guess. Wow. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. And a schlockier one, you know, so I feel like it's better for my comparisons. You know, just like how if there was another Die Hard in a train movie, I would not be start saying Under Siege 2 Dark Territorying their way through something. Oh, that would be Because that's just... That's just the key. Anyway, <laughs> what I do like during these uh, during these scenes here, Fox, what I like a lot actually, is that after these cadets kill somebody, you do actually see Magruder like like touching them on the shoulder or like giving yeah, them giving like them a little comfort. yeah, like little reassuring pep well, talks it's about Magruder, their murder. It's like they get it. And, well, well, yeah, it's so crazy because as 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 insane as Magruder clearly is, she's still got like those leadership chops. Yes, and like those that 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 essential thing that got her to the chief judge position. You know, do you know who doesn't? The guy who is Judge Dredd who says, "No more silencers. Take those off. We're just going to shoot them with the loud bullets now." Yeah, like I bet they, the silencers. He literally tells them to not use the silencers anymore. Because I bet the silencers pro- like affect something to do with the shooting of the gun, like its accuracy or its stopping power Man, or something like that. if you're like telling that. me that coming out of an elevator and two meters to your front are like five dudes, I feel like, you know, I, I mean, I guess maybe... Like, you know, maybe like 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 maybe you can't rapid fire with a silencer on and you need that for when you're taking on a bunch of dudes or something. No, nah, like you that. just need to incendiary them in the mouth like what we saw in the Judge 2016 movie. <laughs> well, obviously, obviously that's the theory, but you've got to be careful because you don't want to actually blow up the ship. You know, it's a whole thing. But anyway, yeah, they uh, they shoot their they arrive at the ship's cockpit. They massacre the flight crew and everything's feeling very apocalypse war. Actually, this like yeah. fighting to take over a, a, sh- a, a, a a, an H wagon ahead of a big uh, operation. Man, I um, God, all of this is so building. I love this whole thing, and that's a starter. Bro. Sorry, yeah, I know it's, it's just, great. It's, it's just it, it it is sexually exciting to me right now. Oh, well, okay. I want to um, drive this thing, and I want to penetrate 
the fucking building that a, a person is in to destroy two spectral sisters with my lasers i don't know man yeah. keep going okay. just talk over me you don't got to make it you don't got to make it sexy if you don't want to fox anyway i mean um they take control of the H wagon and they're heading to the Dunk Ronaldo block as Dread flashes back to Anderson, explaining that killing Kit will cut the sisters' connection off, connection to their world. Um, Anderson will try to run interference for them, but as they approach, the sensors, uh, the sisters sense them and send an alert to all the dark judges, including creepy ass Kraken. Something is wrong. What do you think the alert is? Is it just like a a spectral scream, or is it like a "Hey, we need you over there"? Like, I think it's just deal. shouting something is wrong. Like that feels like a good enough thing. <sighs> they don't even know what it is. They're just like be on alert, you know. It's just like, Meh! yeah, pretty much. One minute to target, the call goes up. Something is wrong. Dread flies the H-Wagon as Magruder and the cadets gun down judges trying to attack them and take control of the thing. Suddenly, the sisters themselves manifest aboard the H-Wagon. You can't hide from us. I mean, but guess what? Guess who's got a real tricksy fucking bullshit going on because she's a real devil and I love her and she's my girlfriend and no one else's. Yeah. Dread flies desperately as the cadets in the Undercity soothe Anderson. Suddenly, Judge Anderson bursts into the apartment where Aggie is being held. She levels her lawgiver as the sisters come to stop her. But it's just an illusion. The sisters realize the treachery as Dread swoops in and fires lasers and shit at the Dunk Ronaldo block, I mean, destroying it. Not just lasers, like blow up lasers they're yeah, all that stuff Mi- missiles whatever else they just dest- the block is destroyed and kid aggie is killed in a giant tornado the sisters are pulled into the block and are then sucked back to their home dimension the endless night of necropolis ends as the scun shot as the sky shines verse first blue and then pink over the city dread calls into patrol the sisters are gone the city is ours again next time my kind of town my kind of town will go on and i know that my dread will go on See, it's more like, uh, like what, like do 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 or whatever. That kind of start spreading the news. It's my uh, kind of town again. Exactly. All right. So, speaking of a uh, new ver- of a uh, terrible new versions of old classics, Fox. Oh God, <laughs> Christ! Um, no, it, don't it make might us do be, it. It might be our singing, or it might be thrill to Harlem heroes. <laughs> Script robot Michael L. Fleischer, art robot Steve Dillon and Kev Walker, leg robot Bambo Georgiou. Remember how suddenly a headset became a uh, an important object in this in- the entire thing. That's right. Listen. I hate it. I hate this. Who'd have thought that the future of the United States would be resolved by a really flash-ass pair of Beats by Dre? You know, it's a whole thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Last time, 
The New Harlem Heroes were stealing an experimental space plane from a military facility, but were betrayed by some revolutionary guerrillas and their AI leader. That's actually a punk goat scarecrow. Anyway, aboard but the plane. It doesn't the hero, matter. Yeah, the heroes, don't worry about it. The heroes are, are fighting guards and pilot hero Ugh. trips is flying the thing as that girl, Kath, that's the daughter of this dude that wanted uh, to clear the hero's names of killing the president and most of the badge. leader leading members of the US government um as she was like as the plane she's on is preparing to land in New Mexico uh, <sighs> the experimental plane's mostly taken but suddenly there's a missile lock on it. it's those dang gorillas with a missile with a rocket launcher oh no uh, trips drives the plane into the into the watchtower the gorillas are holed up in and the rocket they're firing goes wide and lands right in front of the passenger jet Kath is on because I guess it's a passenger plane that's lead- landing at this top secret military base for reasons. Uh, the the plane <sighs> crashes into a pothole created by the missile, then catches on fire. Meanwhile, the plane the heroes are stealing is also uh, it, it, it is also in trouble. They go to run as Silver tosses grenades everywhere. The passengers all flee, but Kath is grabbed by one of the baddies. Guess what, kid? You're opportune. Oh, it's a Mexican standoff, apparently, but not really, because I feel like Mexican standoffs are when you both have the capacity to kill each other, and this is when they're going to kill a kid or something. Man, so I think it's the, the only time version. a Mexican standoff is activated is when you have more than two people, i.e. three or more, that uh, have differentiating goals for what the main MacGuffin is. Oh, that's so a like Mexican a reservoir dogs. Well, because that's a Mexican, but exactly, but that's a Mexican standoff. That's like that's the classic one, right? Like, okay, you look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, mm. what happens at the end? It is three people who right. all want the gold, but there's shifting alliances. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like me when I'm playing a board, uh, one of the uh, cooperative board games with somebody. Don't trust me. I'm I'm not good at I'm I not mean, good at playing the games. I will betray you. If there's two things I know about you, Conrad, it is that both that you are one of my closest, best personal friends, and I will never trust you. But also, I trust you a lot, man. Trust me to cheat. Four years of podcasting, you know. Oh. All right. So <laughs> it seems that really years. yeah. It seems the guerrillas realized the heroes didn't kill the president, so they assumed that they were mega megacorp spies or something. They make the heroes re- uh, drop all their weapons and start laughing as Slice has like a dozen knives on him. He can turn anything into a, into a weapon, though, including this prison ID card, which he throws to the dude with a gun on Kath and like cuts his like big neck artery. So artery I, I, and stuff. This is, and this is the only knot I'll give because the rest of this you can just talk about. This is the only part where I'm like, well, that was neat. Like it, there was this yeah. joke, and then he cut some people's throats because it was actually a knife, I guess. Or enough. yeah, you ever see? Uh, it was, it you ever was see uh, the Glimmer Man? That Steven Se- another Steven Seagal movie that I'm talking about this podcast I, this episode. I, I'm, you know, I'm gonna really damn myself. I don't. I never liked Steven Seagal. 
He's not great. Um, and this movie, well, no, this and movie then, isn't great, but it does got... have some pretty, it has some pretty batshit moments in it, including one moment where he pull, where he gets mugged and pulls out a credit, pulls a credit card out of his wallet. And no. That credit card has a knife on it, and he just no. kind of like, 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 no, like, it doesn't. Waves it in front of three dudes' ne- uh, necks and cuts all their throats and stuff. Conrad, no, it doesn't. That would be a dumb thing that a movie did. I mean, that doesn't preclude it from happening. Because I mean, it's dumb. a canon film, sure. I don't know which what, like who made Glimmer Man. I'm thinking about. Although, oh, I, canon I think, did I think not it, make Glimmer Man. I think. Oh, oh, yeah. Because Lord knows there's such a such a, no, a bastion of quality that's, films. That's sort the of only, what I mean. If, is that they if they, they wouldn't if they have they had the idea. <laughs> if they didn't produce it, it's just because the the film studio had closed by the time the movie was well, made. Well, no, it's they would have find, they would have found a man called Steven Sneagle that looks somewhat <sighs> like Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, no man, because Steven Seagal himself exists as the cut rate action movie guy. He's all over God, those things. I I love you and this conversation so much. You can't have a cut rate Steven Seagal. That doesn't even make sense. That's like having a cheap version of that cereal that comes in bags. That's Fox. that's actually fair because he showed up at my when I was a kid a karate dojo, just because the guy who owned it paid him to show up to show off his not moves. He was fat yeah. then. He's fat now. And just FYI, like that doesn't mean that you can't do something. Actually, that means you can do a lot of shit. Because I've watched professional sumo players. That guy, in terms of everything, literally does nothing. Yeah, he shows no, it's good. up and just says to people how good he is. Yeah, no, he's got a perfect martial arts style for movies because it mostly involves camera work. Like those are most of his moves. Anyway, <sighs> enough Steven Seagal, Fox. Let's go. I, I let's hate keep him going. So here. much. I hate him. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Blah blah. blah. After the credit card, after the uh, the ID card thing, the heroes grab their guns and waste the rest of the baddies. And so the day is saved. He then harasses Silver, gets kicked in the nuts for it, as you do. Uh, the crew prepares <laughs> to head off on another forgot, stolen plane. I forgot that she just kicked him in the nuts. Yeah, she's like, "Thanks for saving us." He's like, "Yeah, Dude, no problem." Such, and grabs such, her ass, so she kicks, so she kicks him right in the in the balls. It's, it's <laughs> such like like recess rules with those two. I hate yeah. this. I hate this so much, Conrad. Uh, Kath stops Deacon, presumably to give him this campaign button or something. But suddenly, a bunch of dudes are coming at them, and it's time to run. She convinces the heroes to take her with them, and they steal a. Sweet corporate uh, VTOL jet that's vertical takeoff and landing. Slice wow. kicks the shit out of a maintenance guy that's walking by who's trying to warn them that the plane is still being refueled as it takes off, trailing jet fuel, which enemy gunfire then sets on fire as Slice says, Hey, buddy, with Slice here, we're on Easy Street. Listen, they were too busy having their uh, mocha something frappuccinos. And then having a really great time springing all of each other with gasoline. That's right. Wake me up before you go-go. And meanwhile, in fact, the jets, the hero's jet is on fire. It's a bad time. They need to bail, but airport security forces are after them in sweet little mini jets. So they've got, um, and the plane has ancient jet chutes, so they can't, so they'll be sitting jucks if they just try to jump from the plane, unless Trips flies behind a nearby butte. They bail, and then he leads the cops in a wild goose chase. What's with airplane space chutes? 
I mean, come on, guys. Seriously. <laughs> it's a suicidal sacrifice, and only Trips has the skill to do it. The plan goes off. The, most of the heroes bail unseen, and Trips leads the cops on a merry chase, eventually exploding in a blaze of glory. The airport cops fly home, and the surviving heroes are left standing in stunned silence. You know, I'm I'm gonna go out on a whim here, as the only thing that I, I like kind of paid attention to. I'm with uh, I'm with Mr. Slice here. Don't don't just nail yourself to the cross while everyone's watching. You know what yeah. I mean? Totally, yeah. After running for a bit, I, I guess the heroes arrive at the flaming wreckage of the plane, feeling real bad about it. <laughs> I guess. I mean, they're there now. Sure. They were pretty far away from that plane Don't at the end they... of the last issue. That's, anyway. So that's... <laughs> Naturally, Deacon blames himself for this death and Slice oh, decides, to, decides to sprinkle some toxic masculinity over this situation. Feeling bad for your friends dying is gay, buddy. Everybody knows it. Um, Listen, anyway. just because your friend died means that he died a Nord's death or whatever and he died again of embarrassment to see you cry bro that's all i'm trying to say bro uh, any bro 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 sorry i was trying the to boys start fighting but silver breaks it up there's no sign of trips but kathleen has found that weird music headset thing oh, he's always God, listening I, to I, when when did they so okay <clears throat> conrad i'm sorry yeah because i'm getting uh-huh. excited and i'm angry Okay. When when did that happen? Well, he's worn that headset thing like the no, whole no, no, run of the comic. No, but when did when did it happen that it was on her head? She picked it up from the wreckage. It was lying on the ground. He got thrown clear of his body when the when the plane landed. Apparently, because it was making tons of noise because it wasn't on his head and was blasting tunes, and you like see her hear it. Like from far away, and then go to pick it up. Like that happened, I think. Is is uh, that's like good writing? Born, that's like good you writing, know, right there. Like like I know my head. Like I've listened to music Conrad, on headphones that's good where if you take them out of your ears, you can definitely hear the music pretty pretty clearly through the through, know, the he- through the headphone things. Do you know why I bought a Walkman and then later a Discman? It's built out of the same material that a black box was. I mean, it is probably made out of of plastic, you know? (laughs) That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's just how it goes. No, that's just a deep cut to the... Yeah, okay. Let's keep going. I hate this. Those little thing, those little plastic things on the end of your shoelaces are called agates, Fox, by the way. Conrad, I said I hate this. You win. <laughs> anyway, Kath asks to keep the headphones thing, but when she puts it on, the presidential I mean, campaign badge she got from her father starts to glow, and she starts seeing, seeing the murderous faces of the heroes projected everywhere. Yeah, and everybody and goes go crazy. Power Rangers, that shit, and there's some lasers. God, I hate De- this so much, Conrad. Deacon and Silver have found Trip's bodies and her Trip's body and are trying to feel bad about it when <laughs> Kathleen just <laughs> runs off screaming in a panic like fucking Wiley Coyote or something. <laughs> Sorry. Just, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh no. Oh no, you uh, it's not Wiley Then to make matters worse, that office assassin guy with the metal eye shows up and is shooting the hell out of everybody. There's just a lot going on here all of a sudden. It None of it matters. <laughs> Next time, matters. on the edge, 
You know what I hate about all of this, Conrad? <laughs> We're had... comics on the edge. <laughs> Living in the fridge. Uh, yeah. you, ha- you had to write down things about this comic. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that uh, for you. It's not so bad. Uh, also... I mean, it's pretty bad. <laughs> all right. So, hey, Fox. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't care for Harlem Heroes, but you know I do care for. Uh, well, I mean, maybe you care for some other stuff. I don't know. Maybe like like. Uh, 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 do you like? Uh, let's go from water? a story that. Let's go from a story that feels like getting stabbed in the junk to a story where someone actually gets stabbed in the junk. Thrill three slain. There's junk stabbing. It's the best part. God, I, I love this. I love this comic so much. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Simon Bisley, letting robot Steve Potter, the Horn God, book three, part five. I I really didn't think that there was going to be like a like a and a story arc for a uh, 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 a crotch horns. Oh yeah. Listen, he got that championship belt the hard way. He's going to use it, buddy. So uh, only. The credit cards for this one shows the dead rising from the ground. Very good times. We um, we ended with Slain being very emotional last time. Or very emotionally with the barbarian preparing to execute his former oh, lover, Neve. Whoops. Yeah, to appease the goddess Danu because she was the last of the muster. But as he swings, his axe of voice rings out. Because Some it's like, are- oh, wait. I, I love the <laughs> yeah. Some soldiers have found the evil witch Maeve spying on them, and that means she is the last to the muster. Nice. Hey, listen. Maybe we should cut her head off, but hey, I guess not. Yeah, it's also not nice because Slain would love to just execute Maeve for all the shit she's done over the years. <sighs> it really and doesn't be- seem like it. Because he would like to execute her, he can't. Because um, he's got to defy the laws, the laws and let her live. That's just how it goes. <sighs> Besides, the laws are binding and the kingdom of pleasure and stuff, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, you're going to have sex with the woman that you're going to trick into making sure that nothing happens to the people that you were distracted from having sex with her with, I guess. So Listen, apparently that. the same reason he couldn't spare Neve is why he's got to spare Maeve. That's just how it goes. Uh, Rory, <laughs> Neve's husband, <laughs> offers Maeve a chance to join them, but she's sticking with the Lord Weird Slough Feg. That dude's awesome. And I mean, things he's got get that weird. Stink. Yeah, oh, she compliments his foul-smelling ways and it gets odd. Slain uh, te- uh, uh, tries to get... Yeah, she tries to get all time killers on her, saying that she was going to be sacrificed to the evil macrobe weirdo Crom Kruak, who Bisley's drawing to look very, as much like a toothy space penis as possible. I Super, mean, it's veiny. It's veiny got, and It's got weird. a vast deference. I'm not into this. I hate it. I hate. Yep. I hate sexual organs with teeth. I think everyone can agree with that. Anyhow, so Slane's trying to blow Maeve's mind with this, but Maeve is not impressed, man. She knows this stuff. Dudes are dumb. Like, okay, bro, you tell me something I don't know here? Um, Slane asks instead, hey, if if you're so smart, why don't you teach me your thing so we can bring down the patriarchy and bring back the uh, rule of witches? 
Maeve, of course, is skeptical about all this. She calls out the evil church dudes <sighs> in, Slave's, in Slane's life, making fun of their robes and stuff, which sounds like it's getting very close, just sort of plain old anti-priest stuff as opposed to ancient mythology, ancient priest stuff. His plans are <sighs> yeah. falling. You can't change things from within. You just got to blow it all up with your sweet dragon, then fly <sighs> off and embrace the nihilism of Slough Fag Fox. That's the time, only way. Time to summon a penis dragon and have some nihilism that's i mean if there's anything i live by yeah at this point the droon lords attack so let's get fucking to it slaufeg has a big monologue for uh oh, for the killing monologue. of dudes as battle rages slain and mave continues their theological debate as they go she makes some cogent points about the earth goddess Destroying Slane's people despite jerk. her supposed love. Yeah, she's not a the Earth Goddess. Not a cool lady. I, I'm feeling like she's the bad guy here. Yeah, Maeve is basically pitching a war a worship of the Earth Goddess as a death cult as her dragon kills everything, which is fair enough, I guess. Listen, lots man, of I'm, words. I pray appreciate. Pro stink. I mean, I stink <laughs> all the time. I'm pro stink. Definitely. I love that you've ter- that, that that you've come around on the amount of words in the Horn God as well. Like that's real cool. Oh no, um, I mean no. Like we're not even to like peak Slough Fag yet. Oh no, yeah. So next up in the title card, there's some dude that's got an axe, a sword, and several arrows sure. going through his head. I, well, it's I time- do like this because it feels it feels very like other parts of the comic in past times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm. It's real yeah. good. It's time to fight. We see the items of power again. The shining spear mm. flying around, killing everybody. Neve cutting fools in half with the Not shining really sword. Doing much. She's doing some. I mean, she's doing some stuff, but it is very no, I just much mean, like all of the weapons seem to be like nah versus. Eh. There's just a there's a lot of drune lords and drunes to fight. I think so. Like even they can't make a huge dent. We'll see, of course, the cauldron bringing dudes back to back to life and stuff. Um, but things are going bad. The army was weakened after the last fight, and the druids have sky ships that can drop bombs with. Uh, meanwhile, oh, in, the endress, in the endless fortress and the time beyond time, Ucko is growing, rap- growing rapidly older. I, got, yeah. I love this right? B plot. Sorry. I just, I yeah, love no, the B plot because I didn't realize it. And then it started dawning on me, and I'm like, wait. There's some shit going on. Like, maybe yeah. the people having him write this are not good. At the very least, they're very much focused on him getting it written out as opposed to, say, preserving his health or keeping him comfortable or something like that. It, it really bothers me, and I like that. I like that yeah. about writing. Definitely. Yeah, he's got maybe a week to live and a few days to write to the, left to finish the, the saga. Death of Slane. Yeah, the druids want to hear the tale of Slane's death, it seems. Back in the battle, though, Slane puts on his coronation helmet, the helm of the horn god. And but this not is to bad, I guess. Well, the the druids think that he's doing this to mock uh, uh, Slaufek, but instead he's here to convince them that they were once the same religion, one people, but they've been following false priests, be they druids or druids. That their seems horn god, legit, yeah. though. Totally, yeah. He explains that their horn god is old and rotting and impotent, a being of living death, and so Slaufek arises from his pool of slime and gives. Basically, a combination of Roy Batty's speech from Blade Runner and the Rolling Stones song "Sympathy for the Devil" sort of mixed into I, one. That's I I 
I don't like, have a quip. Like actually, that it's no true. man. It's true. Just, but also if you're if you're reading along with us or if you're not reading along with us, you should read it. It is how he how Slough Fake delivers things is highly. Yeah, he poetic, talks real cool. But, he make. He, so good. He makes a lot of references to things we've seen, like talking about hanging mm. out with with Elric and Scythrule and stuff like that, who we've seen in previous weirder slain stories as it's and stuff. Happened before. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the T beams off the shoulder of Orion. Pleased to meet you. Won't you guess my name? That kind of stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, Slaufek does seem pretty cool. And what can Slain offer us in the end? He's just some guy. And Slain says, I can offer you not dying when this land floods. And it's about to. And the Druids are planning to ditch you guys and escape on their sky ships. All right. And that seems convincing. I mean, yeah. Let's get all the, these sky ships. Let's not worry about this shit. And let's yeah. uh, leave this weird genitalist dude alone. He's got something. The Druids turn on their masters as Slain hacks through Slaufeg's guard. Maeve flies in to stop him, melting his horse pretty awesomely with dragon fire. We see it turns to like exposed <sighs> so horse cool. bones and stuff. Slain's thrown and he wakes up tied to the ground. The Lord Weird standing over him with a wicked dagger. Well, I mean, it's a succotripe, as we know. Ooh. The uh, the credits page picks up uh, where we left Man. with the murderous knife-wielding Slaufeg. It's only Getting one way to here. fight that is with a real good hump. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense because Slaufeg's climbing over Slain, and from his words, he's clearly about to cut off Slain's dick and or balls here. A lot of I mean, references he's getting real sexy about it. To, to golden boughs and twin fruits and things of that nature. I, um, it's, it's why I love reading what he says. It's, it is some of the most intoxicating writing I've seen in the pages since forever, I guess. Definitely. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, Slain, in response, thrusts on upward and impales Slaufeg <laughs> with the tusks of his wild boar championship belt he's been wearing for the last couple issues. One in, you know, the, the king of the ring. So. Well, yeah. I mean, he became, he beat those other guys to become the Ard Re, and because of that, he got the championship belt. Obviously. Oh, no, sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. He's got the King of Kings title. They aren't called belts, pal. <laughs> I, I, I love you so much. That's official nomenclature, all right? Um, where am I at? Yeah, Slain comes up, um, uh, untying himself, but he's grabbed by the drones, and Feg starts to use his unholy powers to heal himself. The hairy helmets hold Slain down except for one leg. And that leg is very close to a gay bulger, a a bellows spear. I mean, we're going to just cut you right through the the cock and balls, basically. As the Lord Weird advances on Slain, the High King grabs the spear with his toes and throws it at the at the wizard priest and get him right through the uh, wedding tackle. Oh God! It just goes straight through I, his junk and out his butt. It's terrible. There's there's like a thing being said here that I wish we could unpack, but mostly I'm just very happy about like a serrated blade going through a man's. Weird slough fagish genitals. 
Definitely. Yeah. Um, there's a crazy moment here as the two horn gods talk. We see Slaufeg is wordy and south and self-aggrandizing and slain is curt and to the point, you know, it seems I die now, your bloody spear rending my guts. You will. Like that kind of thing. It's it's, it's, really it's almost as though there was a young goddess, a middle goddess, and an old goddess. You know? All right, man. I'm just trying to call out what I'm seeing on the page here. You don't got to like try to one up me I, with your I, mythology I, I, knowledge, that's not buddy. Brinksmanship. I'm saying that you're doing exactly that. I'd like. I'd, I'd like the. Yeah, no, it's solid. There's, there's some shit going on here that I really respect. Yeah, the bloody spears hanging out of him. He uh, Slaufeg sees the faces of the earth goddesses jeering down on him. They have one last curse for their husband as the mighty <laughs> dickworm Krom Kruak bursts into visibility, sucks Sla- Slaufeg through some kind of sphincter, and then on to Scythrule as Maeve looks on screaming. She's doing a full like no I mean, kind like, of thing. No, but also like I feel like he was pretty alright with that he seemed to be laughing the whole time before yeah, the show he was all right with it she is not all right with it that's the difference oh. now things move fast though fox the great tidal wave has come the drune lords go to escape on their sky ships oh. and the remaining tribes of the earth goddess are forced to withstand the oncoming tidal wave set to destroy them tiernanog is now tier foe tween the land under the waves and bitch it's nap time I'm goddamn Uko. I I'm gonna yeah. have me a nap, but I did think he died right there because they were. I mean, the foreshadowing hurts, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, scared. it's the end of an era, the end of everything. As an a as an aging Uko drops his skull and possibly dies, at least passes out, and then has the best dream ever. I love. <laughs> I love a ripped echo. I'm not gonna. Lie. Yeah, the next, the next, uh, the final prog we're talking about this time. Uh, the credit page is a little baby Ucko, age one and a half. And suddenly we see Ucko as young and buff and killing everybody, especially slain as he begs for mercy. And then all the ladies are after him as it should be. And it's all pretty awesome. I, I mean, is he not the one that I want to win the whole time? He's the best, but uh, it turns out old Uck, it's old Ucko is just real old. And he's sleeping in his bed in the Eternal Fortress, dreaming. Um, Do you notice neat. how much it looks like a like a manger, like a baby's bed? In a the little top bit, shot? yeah. Nestus brought his friend Moore Ron, the dung collector, whose stench is enough to wake him. His stench is enough to wake up any nose. man from just his nose. Yeah, that's how bad the stench is from only his nose. <laughs> Back at it, Ucko is telling the tale. Slain uses the Stone of Destiny to grab to drag the sky ships down, where they're hijacked by Slain's people, and then the blood of those drones is used to repower them and let them escape. And then we go quickly to some meta commentary, Fox. Oh, yeah. So, it's been brought to my attention that Pat Mills based the character of Ucko on long-time IPC editor and publisher uh, John Sanders, who's basically like the boss of the editors of 2000 AD at this point and stuff. That does feel nice. No, it's not a nice version of him. Um, and we're basically at a point that very much feels like a conversation that Mills might have had with Stan- with Sanders dumb, um, ab- about this slain like, story. Shit. Yeah, no, it felt that way where it's like, everybody's dumb so just give them their dumb shit 
Well, uh, yeah, I mean, basically Ness says that she wants to include details about how the Earth Goddess destroyed these cities and slain because uh, they were getting too big and they'd lost their connection to the roots of the Earth and stuff. And just generally more about like how this whole thing is a mythical attempt to redefine the nature of a hero within the a matriarchal origin myth and stuff. So Whereas Ukko feels- just says, like, let's have some more hacking and people getting killed and stuff. That's That's what's fun. That's what people want to read. So to me, it feels more like you could have just done that and taken it on the cheek uh, to make people feel a thing. But instead, you you used your thing to complain about, like, your boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think that's what it is. And I mean, it's not like... I mean, at this point, like, Mills is pretty disgruntled with IPC management in general. I mean, we saw this in the lat- in a... And that ABC Warriors story oh, yeah. where there was that 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 great robot that was like, you know, reduced to shittiness by accountants and stuff like that. I mean, Mills is very much using his position as this writer of an incredibly popular prestige comic to get his licks in against, but a you know, his bosses he doesn't that. like, you know? What? You know, a 14-year-old what? isn't going to get that necessarily, so... Just do the thing you want and for you, take it on the chin. I mean, if they don't get it, then I feel like that's honestly a plus because it means that he could vent and the kid just kind of chuckles at people having this conversation, you know? Like, this feels more, less like I am making a point and more like I'm going to, I'm using some of my real life frustrations to, you know, also fuel my story and maybe have like a a kind of funny moment here or something like that. You know what, Conrad? What? I concede. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just think no, that's no, sort of I, like, honestly, I don't know, I'm feel not, like I don't know if I'm a, arguing whether it works or not. I'm just saying that no, I think that's I think what that that's the actually, genesis of it is. I will I say that this is sort of something like w- when we finished up Halo Jones and I said that I, I, I wouldn't want, even if like, you know, whatever, they got to get, like if they got like millions of dollars and were able to get Alan oh, Moore and God. Ian Gibson to write like a Halo Jones book for Can like next year imagine? or something like that. I wouldn't want them to because it would basically, no. I bet 100% that a Halo Jones book for now would mostly be about um, like a lack of ethics within British, pub- British, British comics publishing. Um, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it would be less stuff. about the story and more about the writer. Right. Yeah, but 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 I mean, but I'm just I'm just basically like I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to get this background here because I feel like this this conversation and when we're gonna have next episode within the comic, I think like gains some extra background when you realize that it is like I you know I could certainly see when they're trying to market this comic to um, other people and stuff. Mills being very into his matriarchal mythology ideas and history I, and stuff like that, and being very much like told by you know, and, and, and having to fight for those things versus an editorial that mostly just wants like uh, blood and boobs, essentially. I so I, I mean, obviously, we both felt that. I. It, it is why <laughs> we'll get there yet. It, this this was a very important part of the comic for me because it, yeah. it, it was such a sideline and it felt like it came out of not nowhere, but definitely I wasn't like, expecting it. 
Let's I think it, it is way. important to say generally just because it does otherwise make the earth goddess appear very treacherous yes. and untrustworthy and messes with the idea of the story in general, you know, that I, but I you go so, on this quest and get fucked over anyway. Like that's a weird, that's not a great message in terms of just heroism and stuff. No, I think. but I, but I also like that even if it's disruptive, I guess not, not for the, the, the necessary inherent message that he might not have been trying to send. But I will say that I got very quickly, uh, especially in two, in six ninety five. Uh, it's very clear that he's not happy about the current situation of things, yeah. Or 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 what he wants to say. Like in in six ninety four and six ninety five, it's like fuck the censors, effectively. Which, yeah, kind of. I mean, if you've got a or, platform, I mean, maybe less censors and more like like editors or something like that. I guess because well, it's less if you're than you're the top dude. It's it's those people editing you, right? Right, but yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, because I feel like I feel like the, like it's weird to like it's we to me it's it's uh, like I wouldn't call them censors because I feel like a censor would fair. be arguing for more talking about for ethics less and, and less talking about cutting <laughs> people's heads off and stuff. Whereas these guys are very much in favor of of, of head cutting and stuff. That's, They're so I very much want the blood and guts. That that's um, fair. That's that's. Uh, no As taken. opposed to talking about, you know, whatever, I, Celtic myth I, or something. So it, I, it will come as no surprise. This is this was a very big thing for me just because it, it felt like the author directly talking to me as a man of 35, right? Fair enough. Uh, and one where it was, we're just trying to find like the middle ground on things, but very clearly like the, the potential death of Ucko is is not death of the author in terms of the french death of the author it's like they're trying to constrain me from telling my story if that uh -huh. makes sense kind of i mean like i think that that's sort of counterpointed by the fact that like because i i feel like in this situation mills is is way more identifying with nest than he is with with oh, Ucko. oh yeah so oh, yeah. I don't I don't know how much Ucko dying has to do like I feel like those are sort of separate points within no, that's what, the, no, that's what, with, with, within so, the subtext sorry, sorry. of what we're saying, you know? That, like what I what I, I suppose what I mean is he wants Ucko to die in order to say that that is bad. That what maybe, Ucko I mean, is trying to project is the bad part and the dumb friend who uh wakes him up is the thing that is like, oh, we think this is what audiences want, whereas Nest is like, I'm just trying to make the story. It doesn't matter if all these things go away. Yeah, I mean, I'd separate... I mean, honestly, I haven't really figured out how um, Ucko being sort of in the midst of death has to do with the editorial part of it, but right now, it, to like in this microcosm of it, I feel like your Romana cleft... Oh, God, I'm using all these words... But um, like like Nest is Mills, um, Ucko is John Sanders, and then uh, the dung collector whose name is literally Moron is like the public at large <laughs> that doesn't know what it wants, basically. So uh, I, I, I'll say this much, man. You know a lot more about this stuff than me. It's more of that I 
this was one of my favorite parts of this month. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's cool. No, I just no, think it's no, also that's just, not just what I'm saying extra stuff going on with it, you know? So I'm, I'm trying what to I, let what you I know. like about it is that there was, it felt like a conversation that I was lent into, if that means yeah. anything. For sure. Cool. Okay. Um, so anyway. As the he- as the ships head west toward new lands in Ireland that come under attack from a fleet of monsters led by Maeve on her spirit dragon, monsters from the ale world, from the sky they set upon our heroes. Vengeance for Fag! Next time, ale hath no fury. Like a, a stink scorn? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Nailed it. Awesome. All right. So, after some exciting, uh, after some exciting metatextual commentary, let's have some slightly more boring metatextual commentary, Fox, with non thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Oh, I love the covers this month. I'm not gonna. Yeah, there's some good ones. Uh, well, Prog maybe six, not ni- thrill out, but <laughs> say that again. Maybe not thrill out, but. Ah, uh, they're okay. 692, thrill out. Zach Sandler draws an extremely groovy Tharg with a lot of peace imagery and an otherwise white background. Okay, I guess. In the Nerve Center, Tharg offers a brief introduction of 2000 AD. There's pictures of a dread prisoner mashup I like a lot and then a partying hard, armored, giddy one. It's got a lot of orc energy here, I'd say. Um, I understand. Letters come... Yeah. Letters complain about Colin McNeil taking over on Strontium Dog and ask if anyone in Newcastle is willing to spare some back progs. Mid-issue, there's an ad for the Chopper Song of the Surfer collection. Um, I, and I'm ooh, that's a, about this. That's a, what, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I, I actually wanted to ask about this. So at this... So we've... This is the second time we've seen this. Like, so it's out already, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, Song of the Surfer ended in, like, January, and, and, these, and these comics are coming out in September. It's been, like, six months. Well, sort of, uh, so this is what I'm sort of proud of, because maybe I, I just didn't notice it as much, but this feels like a thing that, that has been reoccurring for a couple of months. Like, they're maybe, letting I mean, people know uh, uh, that they're proud of what, what, like, not just the writing, but the art of Chopper. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I mean, I mean, I think right now, after the success of that first Horn God book, they're really realizing that they can make money by doing these big prestige collections of color comics, you know? So yes. they rushed Chopper to market to get that done. And they're trying to get, uh, and, and they're going to try to get uh, War Machine out as soon as possible. Of course, this Slain Horn God 3 and stuff like that. I mean, it's very much like, Hey, like people are really interested in these graphic, in these, uh, in this concept of a graphic novel. So let's start getting ours out as soon as we I, can. I suppose I just feel like Chopper is so notable, and and I I get from their attempt. Of course, it's about you know we're we're Fleetway. We're trying to get a couple of bucks, but it it's the right one to do it with. If that makes sense. Really sure. wish they had done it with, uh, say, a, a bunch of comics prior to 
late 90s. Well, I mean, I don't think they they knew that the model existed at that point, right. it seems like. Or, I mean, they, they've had collections and stuff, but these sort of prestige color collections are a relatively new innovation. Honestly, I bet Skiz, probably... Skiz deserves a spot, I guess. <laughs> sure. I mean... I think at this point, what's stopping them is that, um, one, I feel like it's easier to market co- things in color, I yeah, imagine. that's fair. Um, that's actually really fair. And I wonder, honestly, if they aren't sort of, like, I think there might be political things in the background here as well. Like, mm. they might be, like, you know, I think at this point there is some theory of them trying to maybe someday get Alan Moore back. I'm sure people will correct me and say that I'm a total idiot for thinking that they're thinking no, this at this point. No, 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 but I've seen don't correct people. Get out of here. But 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 in theory, I could see it being a political move where we don't want to make where we don't want to re-release Alan like do big Alan Moore yeah. collections right now yeah, no. because we don't want to seem like we're making money off of his work because he's very sensitive about that. So instead, we'll hold him back. And then and try to get him to come back and do some more new stuff, basically. That's fair. Um, I that's no, like honestly, I don't I think know. That's that's, that's that's a good reach. Like, I feel I've like. I've one hundred percent just made that up, but it it, no, it, no, it, hey, it makes look, sense to me. I guess that's what is our podcast about, if not what we think is going on, and not what is actually real. But also, I think generally, like you know, like the current two thousand eighty editorial team is very interested in the new and. Yeah. Old stuff, even stuff from five years ago by some prestige creators and stuff might not really be floating their boat, you know? That's so like, unfortunate. But, you know, I think we are maybe two years from Skiz 2, I think. Not too long oh. from it. Maybe in a year or two. Like, like okay. probably in 20... I believe in 2021 we'll get to Skiz 2, is my understanding. Please tell me that Skiz 2 is about Skiz number two. The I mean, I think it's... Skiz. I think it's still about regular skiz, but I, I forget no, I, I, the details, I must I, say. I was just making that. Yuck. Anyway, <laughs> getting me, getting us on a on a 10-minute diversion and based on sorry, the ad. Sorry, Never going to finish sorry, this episode. Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. I don't care. Let's do it. Um, anyway, there's a big um, ad about a signing coming up, up at Forbidden Planet and more ads for those L. Ron Hubbard Mission, Mission Earth books. Oof. And another dang laser tag place, this one in Scarborough. The, yeah. pay, the, the prog ends with a star scan in memory of Johnny Alpha, 2150 to 2180. It's sad, buddy, but really nicely drawn by Colin McNeil here. I know I love it. Okay, product 693, Dread Gets Ugly in this cover by Mike Hadley. Big close-up on the rough skin texture of Dead Man Dread. Um, I'm not a fan just because I feel like if the art's being done by someone inside, they should be doing a cover as well, but this one is pretty fun. Yeah, I like it. It's it's yeah. darker, which is what makes it like interesting, but yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah. In the nerve center, Tharg's reminiscing about the early days of Dread. There's pictures of, of Bert calling on Tharg the telephone, which is a real callback when we get to, as we're talking about callbacks. I haven't, um, I haven't thought about Bert in months, years. I mean, he's, you know, Richard Burton is the current editor, but that mostly means he's Tharg instead of a droid or whatever. But I exactly. like the, uh, the, the Tharg the was an, was an old version of these, uh, nerve center pictures. So it's nice to see it, um, yeah. returning briefly. 
Um, letters bring up an interesting point that Brother Sagan, towards the end of the final solution, was saying stuff that was quoting Margaret Thatcher, like, at the end of it. Oh, weird. It's almost like he was trying to maybe say something about how she was not great. I mean, obviously he was, but that was a reference I didn't get at the time, so I think it's interesting to be told that reference, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's layers to stuff. And like, I don't have, you know, we don't have, or at least I don't have the cultural I mean, weight I a lot know. of times. Fuck. Do you think to, I knew? I didn't know. Recogni- well, I don't want to speak for you, buddy. I don't know. You can, um, anyway, you can speak for me I, anytime you want. I appreciate being told the reference is what I'm trying to say. Um, the letter writer theorizes that this means Tharg is a Thatcher fan, which seems an odd reference based no. on who the character Brother Sagan is. I, I feel like he's not, but all right. Speaking of odd inferences, another writer theorizes that Dread um, is actually turning into Judge Death and has a, a fun time lapse of Dread faces, many of them traced. Mid-prog, there's an installment of John Brosnan's Flix column talking about RoboCop 2 and Total Recall. Uh, pretty good. I like both. Yeah. Brosnan. Top, um, top uh, videos for me. They're, yeah, they're, they're definitely up there. I'm more of a, of a Total Recall guy myself. Yeah. Uh, Brosnan accuses RoboCop 2 director Irving Kirshner of ripping off Paul Verhoeven from well, RoboCop 1, which is very fair. Well, um, I mean, that's... I mean, he's gone on record saying he absolutely did that. So I feel like... Yeah, exactly. The plug <laughs> ends with an ad for the Anthrax album Persistence of Time. And I'm not oh. a huge Anthrax guy, so I'll take someone else's word about how solid it is. They're fine... It's not their best album. How's that? Fair enough. Sure. Opinion. Prog, Prog 694, Steve Dillon draws a Harlem Heroes cover, Trips the Light Fantastic, commemorating this team member's exit. And in also sweating. Ner- I like your sweat. Mm. In the Nerve Center, Thurg announces the release of the Judge Red magazine. It's apparently coming out on, on September 15th with a cover date of October 1st. We'll be treating it as an October issue for the record. So be on the lookout for it on Friday of next week. There's a picture of a teched up cyberpunk and a Mona Lisa with a prog. Art for art's sake. Letters worn of A&E's filled up all over the land as a result of recent Dread and Strontium Dog stories. Wait, how is Others... A&E still around? Wait, is that for real? See, it's see. this is a British thing where A&E, I believe, stands for uh, Accident and Emergency. Oh, like, no. Instead of saying ER in England, like emergency room, they say A&E. But so the hospitals will be filling up because people are so freaked out by the thrill power. <laughs> love it. That was a trap I laid for you so I could explain that Britishism. I love Fox. that you did it. And I respect that you did it. And I noticed that you did it. <laughs> um, okay, so there's other letters theorizing how to get a letter printed and generally complimenting the prog. Mid prog, there's an ad for, a mag- for the magazine and I can't wait. I can't word. Yeah, Prog 695, something is rotten in the caverns of Colony 5. Ron Smith draws a very gross caveman dude. I'm freaked out by his furry purple tongue. So, I mean, it is there. We'll come back to that. Okay. Meanwhile, Tharg in the Nerve Center, Tharg is talking up the forthcoming magazine and Prog 700. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming up in the next couple weeks. I, I love... I love the alien drawing. I just need to say it before you say it. 
Yeah, that's a picture of a strontium Daffy Duck and a Judge Xenomorph-style alien. I love um, it. He's so cute. He's got the tiny legs. His hand is so large he has to put it on the ground. Yeah, good times. It's cute. Um, letters ask for more violence in 2000 AD. Another congratulates Starg on the eve of Prague 700. Mid-Prague, there's a mix column by Roxilla, semi-fictional character. Um, more dance music I'm not familiar with. Barry passing message of Groove is in the Heart by Delight, which I played on the show. Oh. The Groove is in the heart. Well, that would you do it? Uh, the Prague ends with a back page ad for the Judge Dredd magazine. The big old Dredd standing over the city with Death Chopper and maybe Anderson in the background. The text is mostly white on cyan, so it's pretty hard to read, but still seems pretty cool. Um, I will say I don't like this picture of Dredd that much just because Dredd's shoulder eagle is crooked, it seems like. No, it so feels that- like it's gonna just constantly hit the side of his helmet. Yeah, well... What it is is that, like, the body of the eagle seems to be attached to his forearm, basically. And so because he's kind of got his hands, his fists on his hips and his arms out, it means that his eagle is sort of going diagonal across his chest. I I hate all of them. I hate all of Um, this. But so I just want to say that this one, specific one, I just didn't like the orientation of a shoulder eagle. In my opinion, the eagle's wings should be roughly parallel with the horizontal lines on the right, on the regular shoulder guard. They are... Regimental. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Anyway, enough of this non-thrill chatter, Fox. We got to get back to thrills. Oh, really? And that means we got to talk about Thrill 4 Medivac 318. I love my lion boys. Who doesn't want to talk about my lion boys? Hey, they're okay. Script robot Hillary Robinson. Art robot Nigel Dobb and letter robot Tom Frame. From the Medivac 318 satellite, a space ambulance takes off with psychic agent Jay dressed in an alien disguise to try to save her partner, Perry. He's a lion dude. She's and he's in make. custody. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, there's, there's costume elements to it as well. It's, 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 it's a disguise. All right. He's in custody on the planet Arcturus. They land somewhere out of the way as Jay sneaks into the city and then calls a bomb threat into the police station. Meanwhile, Perry is under intense psychic interrogation by a former friend, and he's tripping balls from space hallucinogens. I, I, I love that they just do LSD experiments on this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's the right time. They it's want to know good, about, but they also. Uh, oh, sorry, please. No, they're loosening up his mind so he'll respond to questions. You know. <laughs> Um, they want to know about the mouse man that worked at the Terran embassy, but Perry's keeping that to himself. Outside the police station, Jay is reaching out psychically and pulls an interior fire alarm. The cops go to evacuate, leaving Perry behind. As they hit the street, we just see Jay sneaking into the building. Jay makes her way through the empty police station, easily finding and freeing the bound Perry. He's having a tough time, though, well, with the drugs and the wooziness, giving him a crazy fisheye-lit view of life. They're quickly able to find Lem and escape to the roof and then load aboard their ambulance and escape. And it's really crazy to me that this, like, uh, black and white, largely lordless, wordless, largely forgotten episode of a comic is a real opposite of the Horned God story we're talking about so right before what, it. What I, what I do love is, uh, as someone who has definitely never had any sort of hallucinogen in their life, uh, mm-hmm. someone 
definitely having that and having a world distorted and needing someone to escort them through a world that for them is not distorted. I do really like the art for like this fisheye view that he's got and sort of like how he, how Perry seeing things looks very cool and like, yeah, very distort, like drug distorted and I, stuff. I, I, it's just, for me, it's, it's very clear that like they're trying to make it seem as though he is out of sorts, but not through wavy lines and a bunch yeah. of, you know, like the kind of yeah, common it's tropes. Not the, it's, it, it's not the standard comic book high that he's dealing with. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it makes me happy that they're, they're, uh, yeah. Sure. The ship arrives back at Medivac 318 as Lem is taken to the medical bay. Perry still losing and hallucinating, but is realizing that, like, hey, you're wearing alien makeup. What's going on? She's amused, but the administrator isn't. The ambulance drivers are sent to his office. Later, Lem's awake and discussing the political situation with Perry and Jay. It's all very fraught. The galaxy could be on the edge of of war. Meanwhile, Gibb and Verity are discussing their own personal fates. Technically, they've committed an act of piracy piracy (laughs) by going down to the planet and and rescuing Perry. I love that their bosses aren't discussing that with them. They are just like... One of them is like, I mean, we're going to get so fucking screwed and whatever. And the one who is the most tolerable calm is the lady in the situation as opposed to I the mean, this dude. feels I feel like I've had conversations like 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 yes. this with people yes. where there's one person who's super doom and gloom. We are about to be fired. Yes. And also somehow the boss at our company will have us killed. And it has like, nothing to do with the sex of that person. It absolutely yeah. has to do with just the mentality of that person. I, I yeah. it, it felt very refreshing because it didn't feel like it was coming from a place of I've got to say something about a particular type of person, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah, no, definitely. I, 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 I agree with that. Um, so uh, in the end, though, there's no need to worry. They got grounded for a year, but only technically because their services are greatly in need. So good times. And that's the end of Medivac 318. Uh, forever? Or? Yep. Yeah, no. we'll see artist Nigel Dobbin again in December of 91 like for the story Trash. And then Hillary Robinson will be back uh, later this episode in Kronos <sighs> Carnival. Sure. But yeah, that's the end for Medivac 318 um, forever. Although if you like uh, sci-fi hospital stuff, stay tuned for the, sto- for the thrill uh, Mercy Heights in the year 1997. It, it really upsets me that we're on kind of the... I don't want to say death march, but like end march, you know. Oh no, yeah, we're we're right, we're steaming towards the end of Hillary Robinson here. I, I mean, I her... don't like it because a lot of what she's touched has been so much more. Yeah, it's, it's no, character based, I guess. I I definitely agree. Let's like I don't want to I don't want to do sure, sure. my. My Hillary Robinson eulogy now, I, I want to do it next episode. Sounds like, good. Listen, next episode, I want to wrap up like five. I, I want to, to just spend the episode barely talking about plots and mostly just wrapping up various storylines. <laughs> of course. There's a lot There's a lot to eulogize next episode, be it Necropolis, Horn God, Hillary Robinson, or like the letters page. Like everything's changing in two episodes. Jesus. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, speaking of things that will also end next episode, but that I'm less worried about, Fox. <laughs> Thrill 5, Dry Run. My dude. <laughs> Script robot Tice Vahamaji. Art robot Kev Hopgood. Lettering robot Yvonne Shivas and Tom Frame. Last time, we followed a team of reverse water world post-apocalyptic sword bros led by a guy named <sighs> Zale to an ancient deep sea habitat where they were supposed to find technicians, but all they found was the death of new recruit blonde lady Arena and um, themselves captured by gladiator dudes. So... <laughs> Now they're walking the waists and shoulder socks, Army of Darkness style, and it seems like Arena might just be alive as the slave crew is taken to a base someplace. Soon they're led to a high-tech chamber and a man, um, um, and, oh, sorry, to a high-tech chamber, and uh, these guys have a machine that turns people into water. They gotta do juicer, Waza! <laughs> it's being run by some old tech dude. The prisoners are herded into cells, and it's only a matter of time before they get juiced like common oranges. That night, someone is sneakily killing guards. It's Arena! Noise! <laughs> Sorry, I, I interrupt you, Fox. How are you feeling about Dry no, Run no, so that's, far? You're, you're hitting all the notes that I wanted to. <laughs> the juicing. Was, it's like, I, have you ever seen... At like the like, there's a cafe like at cafes or something where they have this machine that just got a big hopper of oranges on top of it, and you kind of like see them kind of go down like this Rube, oh, Rube Goldberg thing. All of all of Europe, dude, they just to get destroy oranges in front of you as though they were squeezy yeah. liquid people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's like that, but it's dudes, you know. So I appreciate that, um, dude juicing. So. <laughs> Honestly, it's far worse than those other machines they have in Germany that extracts dude juice, Fox. We don't talk about those here. It's against the law. Gross. All right. Time for your standard <laughs> sneak around to find your stuff action. They snag a gladiator guard and make him show them the way. But as they arrive, there's a giant wall spider crab kind of thing that kills that guard. They make their way through corridors as more of these spider crabs come after them. They're very similar to uh, to Hormagons, if you're into Warhammer 40k. Um, but soon, our heroes arrive at the armory and are able to turn the tables on the monsters. They kill them all real good and get their shit back. Uh, Zale keeps mission focused. That old guy that ran the dude juicer is probably a water tech, so let's grab him for this mission for Saitan. Uh, soon they're sneaking around, killing hella dudes, cutting off heads, to, or cutting off hands to get the keys to unlock the tech who introduces himself as Clayton. And they take him hostage, and the crew then makes their way to their horses and seem to be about to head out. You know, they're actually going pretty well this time, honestly. We've seen I them mean... be far less efficient. <laughs> In the hills above the seabed, they seem the crew seems to have lost their pursuers, and Clayton explains that he's the last of the survivors from that deep sea habitat. As Flair lets slip, they're taking him to another warlord to be a slave kind of differently. They go to ride out when they're attacked by another flock of those flying man of war jellyfish things. Hey, listen, he's you just gotta throw a big old flaming torch at them. Come on, buddy, they're full of methane. Yeah, she's, yeah, Clayton suggests shooting one with a flaming arrow and explodes. The crew worries about how powerful Saitan will be with Clayton. 
And as they travel through a sandstorm, they come across a buried submarine. Its hatch is still sealed and unlooted. They find computers, fresh water, and food stores, and an armory full of goddamn machine guns. It seems that these guys have a code against using such weapons, though, so they leave them behind. As they continue through the desert, second-in-command of the warrior group, Lom, warns that Irina is just hey, going to fucking... She's going to Yoko this group, buddy. That's all it is. It's really messing wow. up Flair, the other lady on the team. But Zale won't listen. He's too busy getting buddy-buddy with his blonde chick. And then a trap is sprung. It's another warlord, Kai Penn's mercenaries. And as they fight, it's clear that the psychic link between Flair and Lom that they have with Zale has been lost. They're beaten and forced to surrender, and it's all that arena's fault. Ooh, I hate oh, that arena. Now we know it's her. She's the bad one, but is she? Is she the bad one? I mean, she's mostly the bad one because it's she's making Zale booty blind as opposed to any actual maliciousness, is my understanding. Booty blind is still, I mean, you know. Still a form of blindness. Uh... Key Pen's men leave Zale and Lom to die in the wastes and take the rest of the crew with them. Lom's got a plan, but Zale says no way. He's got to deal with this his gotta way. Got to deal with my booty blindness in my way. That's right. He rides off. The next day, Zale, in a sweet duster, confronts the horsemen. And when they attack, he's got a machine gun and calls them suckers. Guns them all down. I, I, I really... I... He's been using uh, 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 a katana this whole time. Has yeah. no problem with using a gun. Respect, honestly. Yeah, he's a multi-tool. He's a multi-tool fighter. You know, he <laughs> knows that you need to use the tool for the job. Yeah. Anyway, <sighs> um, yeah. Guns them all down. Loms shows up to attacks him from behind, and soon our friends are saved. But Zale's broken sacred warrior law by using that gun. But Zale makes a strong point that those laws were made by these warlords to ensure their power. And maybe it's time to get rid of all these warlords. Hey, let's not use their, I guess, laws when we can psychically link with each other for reasons that have yet to be explained. We'll never be explained. Clayton oh, agrees no. and offers to help in exchange for freedom. Soon they're walking through a weird misty part of the desert, maybe where they used to dump radioactive wa wa uh, waste. Flair is attacked radioactive. by some... Radioactive! Yeah! Flair's attacked by some kind of nuke zombie, and there's some sort of other ancient dead scarecrow guy there as well. Sure! Things get weird and then weirder when the crew comes upon a bunch of i don't know like like wild mad max kids gathered around a larger older Listen. lady in a cloth bikini who's been chained this spread eagled to a ship propeller and is currently being cooked alive i don't know Con conrad you're looking too much into this this was in the long long ago in the far far away Mm. Yeah, this is very much the kind of thing where... We're talking where... Mad Max 3, but not Mad Max 2, and certainly not Mad Max 1, and no, certainly no. not the Road Warrior. Yeah, these are definitely the kid, like Mad Max 3 kind of kids. They got like hats and goggles and stuff, and very I'm odd. just saying there's been four Mad Maxes. Yeah, yeah, get what you get, but don't choose the Thunderdome, because these are the children you get, and what you get is a propeller lady who, honestly... I mean, at least they dressed her decently. Next time on Dry Run, a dream dealer.
<laughs> you couldn't wait for it, could you? Could not. <laughs> Love you, buddy. And speaking of dreams, Fox, now this one might not make sense till next episode. Let's talk about Thrill Six Chronos Carnival. Skip How do you here. take five five pages and mm-hmm. make it entirely set up? Answer the nineteen seventies. Yeah, no, again, very old school here. Script about Hillary Robinson, art about Ron Smith, letter about Gordon Kidd Robson. Crocarn returns. The carnival is on a planet called Mining Colony Five. But, but they're like our- enjoying it? Because they're yeah. not like they're not there making a ride, which I'm I'm I actually am okay with. I like this kind of like alternate universe where everything's a carnival. Well, the, I guess the carnival travels around, and they and our heroes uh, Neil, Jenny, and Laurentian are on their break. So they're looking at a local tourist attraction, the Caverns of Colony Five, which, as it says on the sign, are the planets is the planet's major tourist attraction. Hey, you know what? Let's go into these caves. I'll even turn on my flashlight on my fucking wheelchair, man. Yeah, it's cool. They head in. Their dragon buddy Laurentian is mistaken for a pet, and Neil is assured. The whole place is fully I mean, he can accessible. Make himself small. Yeah, the whole place is accessible, compliant with the space ADA, which we all appreciate. They <laughs> take the elevator and arrive in the caverns. There's some. I really like the art by Ron Smith here. Just of oh, all mean. these, all these cool rock formations and like Laurentian the dragon interacting with like little rock worms and faces on the I, walls and stuff like so that. It's is cool. that not just the best part where he's being the cutest? Like of all of them, and the yeah. other two characters are the ones you don't want to hear anything from. No, I want to hear from the cute ass Chinese dragon, not Chinese dragon. Yeah, no, so the like, dragon oh, I can go. Fun. I can put my head all the way down here. Oh, can you? Oh no, you can't. As always, the humans are real bland, but that's just kind of how it goes. Um, anyway, as they walk around, they suddenly feel something weird, a voice calling out to all of them, and then they find some kind of ape or Neanderthal person encased in a clear rock. What could it mean? The most ripped new attraction. That's what that means, because I kind of get where this whole comic is going. Next time, Genie with the light brown hair. Do you get it? I, I mean, get I get it because I know what's going to happen. Oh. Which is that this ape dude can offer wishes, Fox. <gasps> You're fu- <laughs> he's, he's the literal monkey's paw? That's not yeah, fair, kinda, Conrad. Kind of. That's we'll so see next episode. Up, but also the best. Please tell me he gives bad genie wishes. Or maybe he gives the good genie wishes where it's like too good when you wish and you're like, God, it shouldn't have been this good because it makes me feel so horrible about how good it is. I've said too much about this already, but what I haven't heard you say too much about Fox is what your top and bottom thrills are for these <sighs> Prog 692 to 695. So, so here's what I'm going to call out. My bottom is fucking Harlem Heroes. Are you kidding? What yeah, is even always. going on? I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't know why. Uh, look, I didn't realize until you said it that she picked up a thing. I'm already talking too much about this. I hate all of it. The only good part is what I said, which is when I do through an ID card. But then also, like, I mean, he was a Harlem hero, but not the Harlem heroes that we want. It's the Harlem heroes that we don't even deserve. Whatever. They're bad. I wish... 
Conrad for my top that I could say Judge Shred. I wish I could say that. Mm-hmm. Do you know why I don't? Why? Because Slain exists. And it's real good. I, I, so... I know that you know a bit more about this than me, but uh, what I loved about the whole thing is that it was highly obvious to me that there was this tangential conversation that was going on as an adult, like reading this, but also mm-hmm. at the same time, I was feeling like, wait, Echo, don't fucking die. Yeah. You've been with me since we bought a prison that one time. Do you remember Echo? Or when you had sex with all of those other goblin women, because that was like your thing. Like, I loved that a man got sucked through a nipple anus. That or happened something. in this comic, Conrad. See, I saw that as more of a pee hole myself, but I definitely understand I what mean, you're saying. I mean, that's okay. Conrad, you know what? You saw a pee hole? That's okay. It is in the eye of the beholder, It for makes sure. you feel awkward all the same. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's no non-awkward choice. I'm just trying to figure I, out. I'm trying to figure no, out the I don't, level there of is awkwardness. No, there is no right answer. The only right answer is it made you feel weird. Especially that one time when he used tusks on his belt that... I mean, they were there the whole time. I didn't expect him to thrust it into the belly of Slaufeg. Mm. But he did. Oh, and yeah. And that... That's a cage match if I've ever seen one, buddy. Definitely. I I just I I loved I loved Slain so much, uh, but the special mention really is for Dread, my dude. Uh, there's a lot here, and I think that you put it so eloquently. Where it's not just one shot; it's like multiple shots. Where um, uh, why am I forgetting her name? Um. Anderson? Uh, no, the previous uh, uh, um, Chief Justice. Magruder. Uh, Magruder. Is, uh, like, she's not just putting her hand, like, in an elevator. She's putting it on multiple kids who are going through multiple things, and it's not just giant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's, there, yeah, it's, it's, there are, it's both kids, yeah, for sure. It's it's just that there are, there are little things about this comic and about what's going on right now where I like it, it resonated with me from the last time where you said like, no one mentions about Magruder's beard or how weird she is or any of this. It's just how it is. But then you also like, it's the little things that make judge dread less than the fascist comic. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, you know, it's just a big ups that I wanted to give. But Slain, Slain's my top. And Conrad, please, uh, you know, tell me. Top and bottom thrills. Oh, man. Um, let's see. I'm going to say... Oh. Uh, I mean, bottom Harlem heroes, obviously. Come on. I mean, I hate it. You hate it, right? It's bad. I mean, I told you. I told you from the first Harlem heroes. <laughs> I, that you know what? It's bottom I was, by default. I, I was weak. I was weak. And then in in the shadow of the Lord Rad, I learned the stench of the Harlem Horgos. The Harlem The Harlem Harlots. Oh. That wasn't very (laughs) Um, funny. I think, but listen, Harlem Heroes, yeah, no, I mean, as I said, like, bottom, unless something else is a real, is real, is real stank. 
But otherwise, it's at the bottom and it deserves to be there. It's real uh, for bad. the top, I think I will spread things out. I thought Slane was excellent as well, but I think we're still there's still crazy conclusions to be reached at with Slane. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think with Oh, there's more. Yeah. Oh. Still fuck. a little still a little bit more, and I and I think while both Slane and Dread are sort of steaming towards their conclusion. You know, I've got the foreknowledge to say that I think I might like the epilogue stuff and the final moments of Slain a little bit I mean, more. You so, were the one who called out Dread this month as just that that touch, Conrad, is yeah. it gave me such pause. But so I think I'm gonna put Dread at my top for this time, just because I think I like this part of Dread, and I think that the epilogue stuff for it is maybe not as great, still good, but like um like, I think this is really the height of dread, this sort of hurried taking of this H-Wagon and then um, killing and then destroying the Dunk Ronaldo block and stuff like that. That's this real... That's the epic shit. Like, tense um, action sequence against the clock as, mm. like, the... As the sisters recognize them and mobilize forces against them and things like that. Like, I think I think that's really the real golden moment in this later part of Necropolis. And so I think that it's really the one I want to highlight. So it's it's my top. But I, so I'm sort of the opposite of you where I've got Dread as my top and Slain as a real close oh, second. Oh, that's not an opposite. That's a compliment, my dude. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in a similar direction. We're just doing the uh, going in, the you know, just, just talk about it coming Absolutely. out from, 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 from different spots. Cool. Absolutely. All right. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you oh, can find did. Space Spinner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Messing up my spiel. <laughs> anyway, um, you can always find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Titch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or a podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com, the 2080 forums, or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, on Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else, Space Spinner 2000, we should be there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green and our friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we truly appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash cradling. That's our podcast network. You can support the show, receive a ton of excellent rewards, including show notes, advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD and magazine, and even monthly Q&As with your buddies, Conrad and Fox. Listen, buddy, this is the Orange Fox code if you want to give some love to your boy conrad who does so much more than me making this podcast possible making that cradline network real uh, yeah just show some love don't even need yeah. to give it for more than more than a month just give yeah, you know what's one thing it's fine but guess Mind what the podcast network Mar- uh, uh marlin anyway <laughs> <laughs> you can also send him oranges at uh at Conrad Oranges at oranges.net. All right, please Whoa. go. Don't, that might not be a, that might be, you might be sending oranges to a whole different Conrad there. Be careful. Um, I mean, and then join us next mm-hmm. week as we push towards Prague 700's jumping on episode. We'll reach the conclusion of Necropolis, oh. the Horned God, Dry Run, and Kronos Carnival, which will somehow fit five episodes into four Progs. How is that possible? 
I know what you're asking, Fox, which is, uh, what about the Harlem Heroes? Are they going to add for 700? That's not what I'm asking. Please don't say that. No, it will not. It's going to be around for two more episodes of our show because it's a goddamn thrill cockroach. God, Conrad, please. Why did you tell me that? Gotta know it. Until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Conrad is Dothrig! Dovey all the time. <laughs>